Testing one, two. Yeah, here, take this one back. Like Stephen said, it's the help you get these days. <laughs> He's back there in the sound booth, folks. Oh, mercy. Uh, there's a passage that you need to understand that kind of gives credence to all of this. This passage this morning is found in Acts, the 17th chapter, verse 28, that I'm going to be taking you to, Acts 27 and 28. 1728 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. For in him, Jesus, we live and move and have our being. So you know the background for the passage in the 27th chapter of the book of Acts. Paul has it in his heart and in his mind to go and share the gospel with Caesar. He has been uh, persecuted. The Jews wanted him dead. The Romans didn't want to deal with him. The Jews were trying to get uh, Festus and Felix to hand him over to them. And, and uh, you know, Festus didn't want this. He passed it down to Felix. Felix passed him down to King Agrippa. And so basically what happens is Paul, when he finds out they want to kill him, he stands up and he says, I'm a Roman citizen, which he was, though he was Jewish. I appeal to Caesar in Rome. And so from this, his third missionary journey is what I call it, the journey. He leaves uh, Adramidium and he goes to Sydney. If you follow it in the 27th chapter, Sydney had some friends that Luke is traveling with him. Aristarchus is traveling with him and a number of other prisoners who are unnamed. Julius is the Roman centurion who is sent with him from the Imperial Regiment, and he's in charge of, of Paul and the other prisoners. So they go to Sidon, and the scripture says he was shown, Julius showed Paul a great kindness and allowed him to go there in the court of Sidon and have his friends minister to him. And from there, if you know the Mediterranean Sea, if I could draw a big map up here like this, they sail up along the coast of Asia Minor, what we now call Asia Minor, Turkey, around, and then they come down, and they go down below the little island of Crete. And we're going to pick up. There's several things I want you to focus on in this passage because it's, uh, it's interesting. They've already landed at Sydney. They sail on. There the centurion found, at, at, they get to Myra in Lycia, and there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, and he put us all on board, and we made slow headway. You ever made slow headway in anything? Oh, mercy. Some of y'all have projects you've been working on, not one day, not two days, 
talking some of you years. If you come to most people's houses, they have projects that slow headways is being made. Some of you believe that about your family. Well, they're not getting anywhere with him. Slow headway. You know. Think about that. Paul had an expected faith. He had an adventuresome faith, and he expected God to work in the midst of the journey. That's interesting. It says they made slow headway many days and had difficulty arriving off Sinaitis. When the wind did not allow them to hold their course, they sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmone. We moved along the coast with difficulty. You ever had any difficulty in your life? Anybody go to the Clifton Cup baseball game yesterday? Bases loaded three times. Could not score a run with the bases. Left 14 runs on the bases. Difficult. Expect difficulty. And for those of you who don't know baseball, folks, baseball is a, it's a sport of low odds. Your best baseball players barely bat over 300. That means two-thirds of the time they are striking out or getting put out some way. Difficulty in life? Yeah, lots of difficulty. Guess where they end up, though? After they had this adversity, this little bit of difficulty, they end up at the port of Fair Havens. You might underline that. Fair Havens. I've always found that ironic. On this journey, he's going, there's the map. You see, they, they sail, and they end up at Fair Havens. That doesn't look like the correct map, guys. I'm sorry. All right. Third missionary journey. Okay? Anyway, Fair Havens. Everybody needs Fair Havens. Do you not? I mean, don't you love rest and renewal? No more squall. You're out for the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you get you get you get a few days off, don't you? Going swimming? Does that sound good? I mean Fair Havens. Y'all are in Fair Havens. You're in Port of Fair Havens right now, aren't you? Yeah, some of you gotta work Bible school this week. Some of you have band camp. Some of you probably going to some other sporting camp or something. But everybody needs fair havens, and you need to underline that because during those fair havens, God gives us, he gives us his peace, his strength. Notice what happens. Verse 9, much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, verse 10, men, I can see that the voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our lives also. Folks, God speaks in the midst of our lives, always. He speaks in different ways. Julie Wallago said she didn't always hear God speak to her. Never heard God speak to her in an audible voice. But I want to share with you, God does speak. He speaks to me through his word, because his word always finds, find, it, it hits the nail right on the head. I can, I can read his word sometimes, and I'm thinking, yep, that's me. That's my idea. God speaks sometimes through other people. God speaks sometimes through a letter. God speaks sometimes to a total stranger. Uh, I told Alice this morning, I brought this Bible over here this morning. It's interesting. I haven't, this Bible, since 2001, that's the last time I opened this one of my older Bibles, and it's just a reading Bible that I use. It doesn't have, it, there's no, actually, nothing in it except just the Word of God. And I opened it up, and guess what was left in there for 2001? Jesus to the rescue. Bible. BBS. 
Alice was teaching the four-year-old department then. That's about how old her son was, Chase. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Here I, I put, pull this Bible out of the rack, hadn't used it in 17 years, and I open it up and what falls out, Jesus to the rescue. You think that's a that's just a happenstance? Think it's just something that accidentally happened? No, see, I think God has a number. That he knows where we are and what we do and everything. Paul had this faith that expected God to work on his behalf no matter what was going on. And it was a trusting faith. It was a faith that was totally committed. And notice what happens, though, in the 21st verse. I think that I can't see really well. 10th, 11th verse. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. You ever known the right thing to do? You ever spoken the right thing to do to your family? Son, daughter, mother, father, brother, sister, fellow classmate, you know the right thing to do, but they don't listen to you. They listen to whoever they want to listen to. Is that not where we live, folks? God speaks to us many times, and we don't pay any attention to him. How many of y'all have had children or raised children or grandchildren, and you have to tell them more than once to do something? You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Am I on the right page? God is speaking, and he wants to get our attention, and he speaks to us, but we don't listen. You say, well, why don't we listen? Well, Julius, the centurion, he listened to the pilot, and he listened to the owner of the ship. And so what did they do? Look at the scripture. What did they do? Verse 12, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. Must have been a Baptist church. The majority voted. Let's sail on. Not listening to the messenger of God. They just sail on. Notice what happens. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. You ever thought you had something that you wanted? Oh, if I could just get this car, I'd really be happy. Oh, if I could just get this position. If I could get this dress or this whatever. If I could just get this house or this job. You think you have what you want. Have you ever been there and thought you had what you wanted? Hey, I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of people in this world thought they married the right person. And they get in the relationship and then they say, well, he didn't act like that when we were dating. She didn't act like that when we were dating. I didn't know that side of her. I thought she was this way, or I thought he was this way, or I thought the job was this way, and when I got there, I had to do this instead of this. Have you ever stopped to think about how many of us are gullible and we get what we think we want, and then when we get it, it's not what we wanted? Am I not talking to the right group? You see, the whole whole group on board there thought they got what they wanted. The wind, gentle south wind, began to blow. They thought they had what they wanted or obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and they sailed along the shore of Creek. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a nor'easter swept down from the island. And the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So it gave way to it and was driven along. 
Have you ever been in a situation where you were driven along by peer pressure? Well, Mama, we didn't we didn't mean to be there. We years ago they had a big pasture party down here out of Valley Mills. It was so funny. The young people advertised it on the internet, y'all. Did you know that? If you were a senior, it was two dollars to get in. All the beer you could drink, T-shirt was included, and all the barbecue you could eat. Juniors were three dollars. Sophomores were four dollars, and freshmen were five dollars. Wonderful. Kids showed up. I'm so proud of our Clifton young people. There was only two to three that I'm aware of that went to that pasture party. Is all those kids from Waco? You know, all those kids from Waco got sucked in. Well, guess what? Somebody turned them in. Hey, constable. They're having a pasture party out here on Highway 56. I can't get my tractor. There's, there's cars parked all over the road. Guess who showed up? Department of Public Safety. Sheriff's Department. Guess what the young people did when they all showed up? They ran. Where did they run? They ran into the woods. Here they're having a big party out on somebody's place. I know the place. And they go into the woods, but guess where their cars are? Their cars can't follow them into the woods. Their cars are up there on the highway. The DPS troopers just went along, writing down all the license plates. A friend of ours from Waco had a son at that party. They called. They said, Brother Jerry, did you know the judge up there in Wasky County? I said, I do. Our son was at a party, but he swears up and down he wasn't drinking. He may have been in the barbecue line. I don't know. <laughs> you don't have no idea, but guess what everybody got written up out there for? Minor in possession. Is there what? And the guy that provided the alcohol? Older, not as wise, older, young person still, in his 20s. He got the big ticket. The ranch owner, they got fined. The people involved, It's about $180 to $200 a young person on the fines. Huh. Ever been driven along by circumstances beyond your control? Here you have Paul on a ship that he's already warned him is going to end up in disaster. And he's driven along by the contrary winds and they're sailing along. And he knows that the ship is headed for disaster. He's already given them that word. And in the middle of that word, God speaks to him again in the middle of his dilemma. Listen, verse 23, I think. Last night, an angel of God, who I am and whom I serve, stood beside me, verse 24, and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand tall before Caesar. You see, nothing's going to thwart Paul's purpose. The reason he's sailing to Rome to appeal to Caesar, to witness to Caesar, to share with Caesar about the faith of Jesus in him and what happened to Jesus on the cross and about his experience on the road to Damascus. It's all there. So what does Paul do? God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Folks, we need a com complete faith in God. And more importantly, what most of us want is just a convenient faith. We want it when it suits our purpose. 
We don't want to sell out to Jesus all the time for all things. No, we want it when it fits in our pattern, in our schedule, in our way of doing things. Is that not true? You know, we get serious about praying. Why? When we have a crisis. I'll tell you this morning, there's more people praying in Guatemala that's prayed in Guatemala for a long time because of the volcano erupted. There's more people praying in Hawaii than have prayed in a long time because Hawaii is continuing to have eruptions. The people in New Mexico, Colorado, California that are going through fires, where the fires are covering the hillsides, they're out there praying that God will help spare their house. Why? Because they're in crisis mode. Most of us here are good at praying in crisis mode. We're not good at praying on a daily basis, thanking God for how he works in our lives. So the journey goes on. It's getting exciting. Ship's being pushed along. Paul's giving them word on the 14th night. This is verse 27. We're still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight, the sailors, since they were approaching land, they did sound it. They put little strings down in the water, have a little lead weight for they can see how they... Verse 29, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Now he's got the sailors praying. He's got the ship. Those rest of those prisoners, they may have been on there for whatever reason, but they're all praying. You know why? There's nothing like a common dilemma, a common problem that causes people to bond together in prayer. If you don't think that's true, you go to the hurricane coast of Texas. You go down to those communities that lost everything and they bonded together in prayer. You go to one of these places where there's been a school shooting and they're bonded together in prayer. You go to a place where there's been a crisis. You go out to Cimarron, New Mexico and you would have seen firefighters all along the city, all along the edge of Cimarron trying to keep that town from burning up. You go to Youth Park between Cimarron and Eagleman, you would have seen all those homeowners and firefighters that are in there that didn't evacuate trying to save their home. Why? Because a common crisis bonds people together. It's always been true. Always been true. I know some young people are not old enough to know, but back in the Gulf War, when we first went into the Gulf War, the Sunday after they declared we're going into the Gulf War, this church was packed and running over. How do you explain that? Common crisis. People decided not to go fishing that Sunday, not to go play golf that Sunday. The country's fixing to go to war. We need to go pray. See? Notice what happens. Fearing that they would be dashed to pieces, they did sound it. Then Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship. See, some sailors decided they'd take one of the lifeboats. Does that sound familiar? Everybody's in trouble? One lifeboat? Sailors decide they're going to, playing like they're dropping anchors, they're going to drop the lifeboat down and get in the abandoned ship. What scripture says? Paul calls their, he calls, calls their hand. He says to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men, these sailors, stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Huh? That got his attention. Julius is listening to Paul now. And so what? So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the only lifeboat. Does that make sense? Crazy. How do you cut the ropes of the only lifeboat? Doesn't make sense to me, but I want to share with you folks, when you trust God fully, God can take care of you no matter what. See, the problem is most of us want to walk by sight. 
college. We want to make sure there's plenty of money in the bank, that there's everything's taken care of, that, that we can control everything there is. We're control-oriented, most of us are. We want to control our own lives and our own families and everything else. And what happens when things are out of control? We're uncomfortable. And so what happens? Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. This is verse 33. For it had been 14 days since they've been in constant suspense. Imagine, we went 10 and a half innings last night. Yes, yes, and then 14 days. Imagine that. Constant, not knowing what's going to happen. Now, I urge you to take some food. Now, you need to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to pass it out to eat. And they were all encouraged. Notice the result. People that are not kin to each other. <laughs> People that don't know each other. Prisoners, sailors, soldiers. They got fellowship together in the midst of difficulty. Hmm. wonder if that worked with us. People that are just peaceful. Trusting God to see if he could do a work in. You know, it's just amazing all this passage has in it. Well, let's go a little far. What happens? After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks. He said, all together there were 276 on board. When they'd eaten as much as they wanted, guess what they did? They threw the rest of the food overboard. Are you crazy? What are you doing that for? We don't know how many days we're going to be out here. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea. No way now to control the ship at all. No anchors to drag. Cut them loose. And cutting them loose, the anchors, at the same time, they untied the ropes that held the rudders, and they hoisted the foresail in the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground, and the bow struck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces. Now, guess what? Guess what the soldiers want to do? Let's kill all the prisoners. Paul said, no. Julius said, no. I'm in charge of Paul. He's not dying. He's going to get to see Caesar. And they put a stop to it. Take whatever you can, get to shore. We won't run away. We won't escape. You know, Paul word to Julius is still true. What happens? Notice what happens. They all got to shore. Every one of them safe and sound. When they got there, 28th chapter, they were on the little island of Malta. Did y'all know to this day there is a harbor in Malta called St. Paul's Harbor? 2,000 years later. St. Paul's Harbor. Amazing. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood. Islanders showed unusual kindness, verse 2 says. They built a fire, welcomed us all, and it was raining and cold. So Paul grabbed some wood, and they're building a fire. And while he's building a fire, a snake comes up out of the brush, and it's a viper, and it grabs a hold of his hand. Poison snake. You know what Paul does? Shakes it off. You know what the islanders do? He must be a murderer. He's an evil man. God, he's going to be judged. Watch him. He's going to be struck dead. 
They're just fine. It's going on. Then guess what the islanders do? Folks, we are so fickle. Human nature is so fickle. They're gods. Let's bow down and worship them. Bring stuff to them. Let's bow down and worship them. Read the story. It's a great story, folks. Notice what happens. They get to the party with Publius. He's the head of the island, the governor of the island. He had an estate nearby. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick and in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. God did a miracle. You know, God did several miracles. I love this shirt they had at the school this last year because I love the verse of scripture that it had on it. It was a t-shirt that they passed around at the elementary school to play for a little elementary boy. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed and miracles that cannot be counted out of Job 5, 9. Prayer for a little boy that was sick. Folks, sometimes we don't see it, but God still does miracles. Sometimes we don't recognize it, but God still does miracles. Sometimes when we don't get the prayer answered the way that we want to, we forget that God is still in control and he still works on our behalf and he still does what needs to be done so that things will work out. So what happens? When this had happened, after he healed Publius' father, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with all the supplies we needed. Folks, God is able to do things we don't even have a clue about and work on our behalf in ways that we never thought possible if we're willing to trust Him and follow Him. Long story short, they finally get to Rome. They get to Rome, and they get to see Paul find a house where he can be under house arrest until he goes before Caesar to appeal his case and to witness about what Jesus has done in his life. In summation, God speaks, but do we listen? If we do listen, who are we listening to? There will be ports of fair havens. Always take advantage of them. Always take time for rest and renewal. We need to enjoy them and relish them. Why? Because adversity is coming. If you had not had adversity, if you don't think there's difficulty out there, if everything's always gone your way, listen to me one day it won't go your way. So just take it. In both the good times and the bad times, God needs to be trusted. And God is able to provide for us even in the difficulty and even where danger is possible. And he will see us through no matter what. Now maybe you're here this morning and you're going through difficulty. Maybe you're here and everything's fine with you. Good. But maybe you're here and you got a lot of questions. And you got one question, can I trust God? I'm telling you, all you need to do is trust God and see what happens. Risk in faith, trust in God and see how he works in your life and the life of those you love. It may be amazing. Why? Because Jesus is made our rescue. In him we live, move, Father, we thank you for these dear people that are here this morning. I pray that your word is found a hearing in their hearts and in their minds. And 
Father, forgive us when we want to go our own way and do our own thing in our own time. Forgive us when we get into difficulty and we try to control everything ourselves rather than trust you. If there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you, Father, someone that's never trusted you, would you give them the courage to step forth this morning and publicly express their faith to this body of believers? We pray for our Vacation Bible School this next week, all the workers and all the children that will attend, all the students that help. We pray for Super Summer and the days ahead that you'd be with those 40-plus young people that are going minister in their lives and help change their lives. And Father, we pray for our school system as they make great transitions moving from an old building into a new building, be with all the teachers, all the administrators, all the, the people that are service personnel that help do that, and all the students that are coming, Lord, help provide for everything that needs to be done. And Father, we again lift up these in our prayer list this morning, and we pray for our nation with all of its issues. In Jesus' name.